Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Talk On Podcast. After the Red Smash 5 past Watford at Anfield this past weekend, and most law just continues to be the best player in the history of mankind. There is a lot of positivity surrounding the club at the moment, as there's a lot to look forward to with this side, including the Champions League draw against City. My name is Joey Vishny, and while I'm here in Chicago, joining me on the pod tonight, I've got two gentlemen from opposite sides of the country. Jeff Hallett is over in Orange County. Jeffrey, what's going on, man? It is good to be back. It is good to recover from United. It's just good. Yeah, at least now a week past that result and, and moving on from there, so... Feels good to get this uh, this one out of the out of the way as well, and, and and continue to move on and upwards and onwards. And we also have James. We have James McGuire over in Boston, first timer. James, what's going on over here, man? Oh, just uh, trying to survive winter and stay warm in the Northeast. Yeah, about to get hit pretty hard over there. So yeah, hope you'll be done with that soon, um, gentlemen. Before we go ahead and get into Hallett's headlines, just wanted to throw. a couple of five goal shouts out there since we just put five past Watford. Nice. Couple under Yergi, five nil against Swansea. I remember that one particularly well because uh Trent's volley in that. Um there's a Bobby No look goal on that. And then the first one, Phil Screamer. So that was that was a fun five win. Obviously the five no win against Porto in the Champions League. We hammered Brighton five one earlier. Uh a couple results last season, five one against Hull. 5-0 against Burton in the Carabao Cup, 5-0 against Fleetwood, and then the 5-4 game against Norwich, that crazy ending. I think that was the Lalana late goal on that volley. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've had some pretty pretty large results over the uh, the past couple seasons with Yergi, and just want to throw those out there. And just, you know, not a lot of clubs obviously are able to get those types of wins, and, and under the big Yergi bear we are, so... Pretty stoked about that. Um, all right, now that we got uh, just continuing again with that positivity, it's uh, just unknown, unknown. For, you, you're uh, following your life, life coach's advice, this, so. Joey. I, I yeah. appreciate this. Unbelievable. Anyways, Jeff, let's continue some of that, man. Let's hit me with the Hallett's headlines. <laughs> okay, this is the news that we pull out, so you don't have to. It's what everyone should know is a Liverpool supporter or just a fan of the Premier League. So beginning with... Van Dyke reports, and this is club headline, but an important headline. Van Dyke reports that he's fully settled into Klopp's system and into Liverpool. And the quotes were, do I feel settled in now? Yeah, definitely. Quicker than I might have thought. I don't know. And what percent am I now? That's difficult. But I'm completely over the ankle problems, definitely. And that was already the case when I started playing again at Southampton. So this is just more testament to what we see every week. I mean, it seems every time Liverpool end up on the telly, you see Van Dyke get better and better and better. So good validation to hear from him. Does this jive with what you guys see on the screen? 
Yeah, absolutely. The most important thing was him talking about his ankle. I, I'm more con- be more concerned with that than if he's going to be bedded in a club system because we all knew that was going to take a little while anyways. Um, probably less for him than most others because of the, the talent that he is. But I think the ankle, him highlighting that is, is the biggest issue because he was out for a long time. Um, out for, what, like basically half a season, I think, right? Um, so Probably magnified by the I want to go to Liverpool piece, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of, you know, a little bit of what Phil did to maybe sit out when he didn't need to. But again, I mean, it was a a pretty bad ankle injury. So just happy to hear that he's over that and able to, to push on from there. Yeah, definitely. And also his uh, presence being able to settle in the rest of the back line and the rest of the team. Seems like it's definitely making big differences so far. Without a doubt. And, and his two partners... They kind of come in and out as uh, as the rotation wheel falls. When one has a bad performance, the other one comes in. But he, he's definitely the hallmark of that back line, that resurgent back line. If he goes, so does the club. So that's the Van Dyke happy headline, Joey. Um, let's uh, get on over to more happy. With every goal that Salah scores – it seems journos with every keystroke begin pounding the war drum for Madrid to come calling. And Chris Bascom of former Echo journal fame, uh, he, this was his quote, the more LFC enjoy these mad, majestic Salah performances, the more fearful and envious rival fans seem to be begging Spanish clubs to take them away. Bah humbug. And the press has, is, and will continue to do this for the love of ad revenue. But <laughs> how much can we take? Because you know it's just going to get worse. I mean, just like you said, how much can, can, that, can we take, really? I mean, basically with Klopp, I think since he's come in, he's something crazy like around one of the lowest clubs. Liverpool is one of the lowest clubs uh, in, in terms of, of net spend. Um, compared to anyone else in the Premier League. So he, we've, we've had some good deals. We've made a, a lot of money, uh, especially on the continuous sale. We still have more money from that. So, and listen, you don't just – the club's not just going to want to let him leave after one amazing season. I don't, I don't think it's, it's a revenue thing at this point. They've already shown that they've done a really good job with the, the deals that they've done. Um, I think they've – complete they brought in plenty of players who a lot of people were on the fence on and weren't really sure of their price tag coming in but have really proven themselves slaw obviously being one of them you could say uh, Mane Robertson a lot of people were unsure of him when he came in but it was basically a swap deal for Kevin Stewart so there have been a lot of buys where they've come good especially under Klopp and just because Slaw has had one good season and completely you know maybe quadrupled his what we would be paid for him i don't think that's going to change the club's mind in terms of, of selling him because just like you said i mean we're we're in a good position um where we are as a club and you know i i also don't think klopp would would allow that one um you know phil clearly wanted to leave um and and salah you know looks like he wants to stay at least for the time being yeah i uh, i agree with you there i also think Personality-wise, if you are looking at how Salah has meshed in with the rest of the team at Liverpool, uh, it seems like he's developed a lot of good connections there, especially with the coach. 
to then look at what's going on at Madrid with Zidane's future still not solidified there with how poor their season has been with a lot of rumors uh, about the BBC connection uh, changing. Uh, doesn't seem like Benzema is going to be their main striker next year. Uh, Bale could be on his way out. And then considering the personality of Ronaldo, as well as if they are going to spend a ton of money to try to bring Neymar in, um, I, I don't foresee those type of personalities being the type that uh, are going to make Salah want to you know, kick up a fuss uh, to what some other players have done in the past to force his way for a move. Yeah, you're right, James. The natural draw isn't there. Egypt is not usually a feeder country into Spain. You don't have that, like, you know, from an early age admiration of the Spanish clubs. Of course, best players want to play with the other best players, so there's that part of it. But I, I think both of you have a sound point that Klopp is the master of bringing these guys in, putting them in spaces where they can achieve this optimal success. I mean, this is Salah's goal total for the last two years at Roma, right? Uh, he's in all-time career highs, blossoming as a player, and you would have to think that the combination of loyalty to the manager that got him there, plus a club and a, you know, a deal that was cut with Roma with no release clause equals at least more than a year. Well, I mean, it's, it's all about winning. So the, the best players in the world want to win trophies. And if he's not going to be doing that here for whatever reason, if the club doesn't win anything, you know, in the, in the coming years, then he will be gone and, and you won't be able to blame him for that. So that, that's the key. I think the, the main thing right there is, um, is if you win trophies, the most important shout. Yeah. Joey, that plus continuing to qualify for champions league and ending up in the final stages as we are pretty exciting. So that's the that's the Salah headline. I'm sure we're going to talk more about him and his greatness as we go through the pod. But I just wanted to finish with a final headline, uh, and this is really a tweet that deserves a mention. So Graham Kelly, for those of our listeners that follow him, he's one of the more trustworthy sources for Liverpool News week to week, and it was just a cool story of a guy in the middle of chemo, uh, struggling and couldn't make it to the match and would love to get tickets, but doesn't have, you know, doesn't have the funds with the cancer treatment. And uh, a Everton fan replies back and says, hey, man, you can have my ticket for the Derby. I'm at this end. You can have it. Uh, my uncle suffered with cancer, so I know what you're going through, mate. I mean, this is the kind of you know, let all of the religion of our various sides in Liverpool, you know, fall to the side and focus on what's important between the two fans. I just thought that was a really cool story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's households are split with these two teams. You know, there's brothers and sisters, and it's it's a much different rivalry than than one with, say, United. I mean, regardless of the rivalry, this is just, you know, it's basic, you know, human nature to tr- to try and be kind and 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 help people out. So. Um, you know, you love to see the story, but especially when it's, it's, it's from an Everton fan, it just shows that the city comes together first and foremost, um, before, you know, any type of rivalry between the clubs. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, didn't really add anything else to that. It's a great story and great for EPL, but also great for Liverpool. Yeah. We spent so much time talking shit. It's good to just let it be for a bit. Anyway, that, those are the three headlines that I pulled out back to you, Joey.
Yeah, thank you, Jeffrey. Love the Hallett's headlines there, man. It's always good to start the pot off and and get you know get our minds working before we just get right into the game because that's kind of all we've been thinking about the past week and how we just absolutely demolished Watford and it was it was pretty embarrassing, James. I mean, um, putting five past them, it, it was just it looked like a training exercise. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get on to Salah because that's obviously the main topic of of the pod and and just in general and uh, throughout the world right now talking about football players is, is the guy with the most goals um, in the premier league right now, sitting on 28 Uh, your general thoughts on the game in terms of what did, what did we do forward uh, from this game? Uh, Obviously you could, there's the three points, which, you know, is is glaring and, and obvious, but in terms of the way that we played on the pitch, um, it didn't look like anyone really had a poor game. So it was just all almost just like, again, like a training exercise where you just take this and, and continue on with the momentum moving forward. Yeah. Um, I, I do also think a portion of it does go down to how poor Watford were. Uh, they had some passes there that were just brutal. Um, but for how we played, uh, I think it's going to raise a good amount of questions on who should be taking the right back spot moving forward. I thought Gomez played his best game, uh, especially moving into the offensive zone. Uh, he had a couple of runs that were about as good as we've seen from a long time from a right back, uh, as well as a good service and for a header for, for Mino, uh, as well as a steady partnership between Matt Tip and Van Jek. It, they weren't tested too much, but they seem to be on the same wavelength for the whole game. Uh, I also think forward-wise, uh, we saw something different from Mane than we have seen in the past. Uh, he was checking back uh, into the midfield uh, to receive the ball and play more of a playmaker position. That we He was seen. excellent this game. Really, like he, he won't get a lot of the plaudits, but he was unbelievable. And he was also checking back more centrally, not just into uh, on his wing. Uh, kind of in that position that Firmino has been checking back into. Uh, so I think that definitely brings a new dynamic into our offense that'll make it more difficult for teams to set up with a holding midfielder to neutralize Firmino because then they'll have to worry about uh, players like Mane being able to come back and uh, mo- continue the movement from midfield into the forwards. Yeah, and, and you just touched on it there. I mean, that's the, the great part about the front three is they're so interchangeable. Um, everyone's able to play all three front spots. No one's really restricted to a certain role up there. Klopp kind of lets them roam a little bit. And, you know, I, I I agree with you. I do. I really like when Mane comes a little bit more central, gets on the ball a little bit more, um, looks ahead of him. Yes, we all know he can run in behind, Jeff. But, I mean, I thought he had an excellent game. Anything um, in particular besides Salah that maybe caught your eye tonight? Yeah, I second, third, if not fourth, the Gomez performance. He he needed it. He's been struggling to get, get back in based on Alexander-Arnold's run of form. And he brought equal parts of that forward game, which you hadn't seen as much of from Gomez as the solid defensive capabilities would make me so rabid to see him in the center half position, hopefully in the summer as we get into preseason. So, you know, second and third that uh, really wasn't much for the back line to be responsible for with the attack running the way it did. So it was good to see Matip in a more comfortable role, played super well on the ball as he usually does. And 
seemed to have some additional confidence coming into this game. I think he's recognizing the opportunity with Lovren doing Lovren things at a critical time of the year where the club really shouldn't be tolerating it. I don't think Klopp will. Uh, so I think you could probably expect to see Mati through the end of the fixtures, certainly to, through the two with City. And then in terms of the midfield, you know, Henderson had a classic Henderson performance. He delivered a lot of long balls in and in an accurate way. That was great. He had space to do that, and I think that's what allows him to feature the best parts of his game. But he switches off towards the end of the first half, uh, toward the start of the second half, just missing balls badly, uh, getting burned by Pereira multiple times down the pitch. So he's the usual target for me. Well, he gave plenty of content for me to target. And then nothing but lovely goodness from Salah. <laughs> you know, this masterful performance, which we'll spend a lot of time on, I'm sure. But Bobby, <laughs> I mean, that back shin, I'm still trying to figure out how he did that. Uh, and, oh, it's and, beautiful. <laughs> and, and 100% to the Mane. Like, I think my favorite position of Mane on the field is horizontal approaching the ball like anytime he's like achieved horizontal something usually good is happening yeah i mean just can't say enough good things about the front three for sure and um yeah to your point Pereira, he did have uh he he was one of their only players i thought that really looked a threat uh i mean he's a talent i uh is he is he argentinian i think um and then i know that he played for juve for a little while um He's he is definitely a talent. Uh, that free kick off the bar with beauty, um, but uh, he really kind of seemed like the only player that was really threatening at all during the game. Um, had a nice little meg on Mane there, uh, but back to Liverpool um, and and back to Gomez because you guys both threw that shout out. I thought he's he's been a lot a lot better going forward uh, the past few games that he's played. Um, that cross again to Bobby where he, he could have had a goal. There was a beauty. Uh, it looks like it seems like Trent is working a little bit more on his defensive skills by watching Gomez and, and working with him and, and vice versa for Gomez and his, ta- his attacking skills, because they both seem to be coming around a little bit more, you know, and picking up where they need to in terms of their weaknesses. Um, and I agree, Jeff, I think Matip was really good on the ball. He's really calm and composed. I think that back four is probably the best back four for Matip to be in because Matip does like to be on the ball a lot. He does like to get forward a little bit. And when you have Joe on your right-hand side and Van Dyke on your left-hand side, it's it's a lot more stable defensively than I think if you had, you know, Trent on your right-hand side or, or low run on your left-hand side. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that is probably – probably at least defensively our, our strongest back four um, that we could put out there. Again, it's nice to have depth in, in the fullback position to where we're not really arsed either way who comes in, um, whether it's um, Trent or Joe in the, on, in the back right position. I think everyone would agree with Andy, you know, Robbo has, has earned a starting spot and should stay there, but then having, you know, a competent left back and, and Albie being able to come in, um, it, it's great. And I know we talk about that a lot, but again, it's just because we haven't had it for a while. So, um, I wouldn't be complaining at all if, if we stuck with that back four in our important games for the remainder of the season. Again, don't care if it's Trent that comes in for Joe, but I just feel like this is the most stable and most balanced to me. So um, 
I agree with you guys that the, another clean sheet is huge. Even though Karius didn't have much to do, I think it's still big for his confidence just to get a clean sheet for the defense it is, like any defense. And, you know, we don't even really need to mention Van Dyke too much because the guy has just been an 8 out of 10 at least since he's come in the club pretty much every game. I mean, he's just an absolute game changer. And everyone around him, you can see, is, is playing a lot better. And, and it's just a lot more calm with, with a presence like him in the back. So, you know, hopefully he'll chip in a couple more goals along the way. But that's really the only negative thing you can kind of say about him right now. You know, he's still fully finding his fitness. I know, Jeff, you had mentioned the quote earlier that he feels like he's fully, you know, fits into the system now and he's bedded in. But, you know, a little bit more time. I mean, he hasn't been with the club for that long. So you can only imagine what he's going to continue to be like and grow. And while we're on that subject really quick, just wanted to mention um, this comes from the AI under pressure Twitter page. Unbelievable. The the difference that it is with Van Dyke and without him. Um, I mean, let's just read off some of the numbers without Van Dyke before we got him Uh, the the first 23 weeks of the game uh, of the season. Um, Non-penalty goals conceded was one a game. Non-penalty big chances conceded was 1.4 game. We had seven and a half shots conceded a game. Um, 1.5 headers conceded a game. And 0.93 non-penalty expected goals conceded per game. And now that we have Van Dyke, so just these, you know, past seven weeks, 24 through 31, 0.5 non-penalty goals conceded per game. 0.8 non-penalty big chances per game. Six shots conceded per game. Um, and a 0.58 non-penalty expected goals conceded per game. Also 1.1 in the header. So like everything is just a, a crazy reduction. Like the numbers are nuts if you're just a, a pure stats guy. And that's why I enjoy listening to that podcast too is, I mean, it, it is unbelievable with him back there how different everything seems to be going. So long may this continue. And, and it's crazy just to be able to look at a competent and it, a good, it, it's a good defense. Like I, I, I can't remember that I, the last time that we could say that we had a good, solid defense. So uh, long may it continue for the for the remainder of this season, and and hopefully they'll come up in some big fixtures that we have and in big games, and that'll be the true test. So moving on from there, um, we'll go ahead and talk about the midfield a little bit. Uh, James, let's let's go off of uh, Jeff's Henderson um, point. Um, I think everyone who listens knows Jeff's uh, opinion on Hendo, but. Um, he had an interesting one. Uh, I want to know your opinion on kind of the, the balance of the midfield, uh, especially because Emre got injured early in the game. Um, and, and that's kind of when Hendo, I thought at least, was was doing pretty well was in the first, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes of the game. And then Emre goes off and it just seemed to go off the rails a little bit for him. Yeah, uh, I really didn't feel this was one of best Henderson's games uh, for the whole 90. He had some good plays, but like you said, there was a few times where he just got completely skinned. Um, and then, uh, a couple of passes, a couple of mishandles that against a better team could have definitely cost us. Um, it's hard to tell how much of that had to was down to having Emery with him. Uh, also the field conditions, uh, it was atrocious out there. It's hard to tell with, you know, some of the things that Salah was doing with the ball, but, um, the ball was skipping, uh, people were losing their footing, uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of hard passes coming in, uh, which were tough control for him. So I really don't think it was a, a great game for Henderson, uh, by any measurement whatsoever. 
yeah, I guess props to him for wearing a short sleeve shirt, that crazy mofo. I think there was a couple <laughs> other players wearing a short sleeve shirt out there, which was just ridiculous. Um, but right, right back to you, James, real quick. Um, and, and staying on the, the subject of the midfield, how did you think that, uh, Jeannie and, and Milner played, um, it was. It's an interesting balance to see the, those three in that midfield, and I know that uh, Milner has has had a pretty good run of games, the, the, at least the past three or four of them. Um, how do you like that midfield, and would you have changed it up? Would you maybe have started Ox, or do you kind of like how it's been going the, the past few games? I, I was anticipating Ox to start, uh, being a Klopp guy, uh, and giving him an opportunity to bounce back from such a poor performance against United. Um, I was anticipating Ox to start, especially against a team that we were anticipating we could go more offensively against and having somebody that's more of an offensive-minded midfielder. Uh, I, I thought that would have been well-suited for this matchup. Um, but Milner just, he just uh, amazes you every time he goes out there, especially this season. He's been, uh, for an older, slower, uh, one-dimensional player, he's just a really dynamic midfielder. He had a couple great plays today where um, he had the ball in the offensive third and you were anticipating him to just play a safe pass uh, and keep possession. And he would just take the player outside and deliver a ball in or, uh, you know, try to dribble the defender and, you know, to, to have him do that. Um, I, I thought it was a great all around game from Milner uh, and Gigi, you know, being out for uh, a few weeks, uh, <laughs> with the runs um yeah he lost like uh, he lost a lot of weight apparently which is yikes yeah um, i uh, i read that too um it you could tell it took about 15 20 minutes for him to get back into the swing of things and get up to speed with the flow of the game uh after that he was uh i, I thought fantastic uh some of his best characteristics as a player are just athleticism um and being just uh, a dynamic midfielder, um, definitely not scoring away from home, but I thought he retained possession well, moved the ball quickly, uh, and also got up into the offense a, a good amount. So I, I think having uh, Shan out and having Milner come in, Gigi coming back from injury, uh, both of them, it was just a, a fantastic for for him, and a, a good good game all around for the midfield. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too, and. Um... Jeff, yeah, Genie, Genie's just you know just like James said, he just had a solid game. He he's just just like he's James said, he's, he's just a dynamic midfielder, um, and you know he doesn't skip leg day. That's that's for sure. Um, Genie does not skip leg day, and it, and it shows. Just bosses people around. You don't expect it for for necessarily his size, and he he does command his space, and that's that's something you have to take note of every time he has the ball wanted to go off and, and ask you kind of just continuing the conversation um, about Milner. It's, it is crazy. I mean, he, he came to the club thinking he was going to be a midfielder, got converted to a left back and Klopp let him back in his position that he wanted to play. I think, I mean, you know, he only played there a little bit, I think for Villa. I mean, he was mostly on the right wing for city, but this is the position that he wants to play in and he hasn't necessarily disappointed this season. Yeah, the genie point really quick. Uh, I mean, genie is great. He doesn't miss leg day when you get good genie, and you don't don't always get good genie. <laughs> he can go missing in matches at a time, and I think we've seen a more recent run of form where he shows up and 
he was every bit that player in in this one. I mean, just muscular on the ball, could not take it off of him. Good movement laterally. Uh, didn't see as much going forward from him, but I think you'll see more of that. I mean, I think it's back to where Monty was sitting, where Bobby was sitting. It, a lot of the distribution usually started from them or was keyed off of Van Dyke or, like I was saying, Henderson with the long balls in. So that'll come, or maybe that wasn't the setup for this match, but you can't can't overlook his strength in the ball. And to see him churn in the midfield means nothing but good things for Liverpool. And as we approach City, for instance, I think you're going to need to see Genie on that pitch uh, to keep up with the speed and, you know, just the physical presence of City. Um, to your Milner question, yeah, I mean, it was – it took him a couple minutes to get warmed up. So, you know, an, another plaudit for a Liverpool player with a uh, short sleeve shirt on. Yeah, he was one of them too. Or him, or him with no Crazy. shirt on as he was changing. So he got hardly any warm up. You know, all right, James, you know, <laughs> boring or not, put on the other kit and get out there as soon as you can. <laughs> and, and it took him a minute or two to adjust the game. But to James's point, looked the part. This is the time of year. We've been saying it week to week. This is the time of year you want Milner in that lineup. He, he has the veteran presence. He's got the creativity when his legs can follow. Uh, you don't necessarily want him doing corners or free kicks, but he can deliver that ball uh, with precision in the final third. And he had plenty of space within which to operate. So that there went the attack. Uh, so, yeah, it was good performance from him. It was good enough from Jean before his back started to give him trouble. Klopp says, you know, he, he's good for international duty. So for me, that says that he's going to be fine. Um, hopefully he doesn't tweak it more because backs can be a problem. Everybody says they're tricky. They probably are. Uh, so, yeah, just a little bit of concern for Jean, but I don't, I don't think it's uh, anything material. Yeah, I would hope not. And I think it keep him out of the, the Germany game, which is good. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to start anyways or, or play anyways, but um, – you know, rest him up because we're we're going to need him for City. That's for damn sure. Um, especially if we want Hendo at his best, we're going to need um, Emery in the lineup as well. So, um, gentlemen, let's let's move forward and get to the forwards. Uh, let's just we have to talk about it, um, James. I mean, what can you say? It's it's unprecedented. The the guy is just he's on pace. To, to break the record, to break the, the Premier League record for goals scored in a season. He's scoring in ways that he shouldn't be. It's just ridiculous. Looks like there's no space, and he creates something out of nothing. He also provided the assist for Firmino's beauty of a back heel. There's, there are really no words for what he's doing right now, um, but go ahead and try to, try to surmise what you can come out with. Yeah, uh, I noticed a few things that were uh... – Unique about this game from the front three, uh, like I said earlier, Mane was coming back deeper, more centrally to receive the ball and help with the transition and playmaking. Uh, Firmino was doing everything that he does well. And um, Salah was was uh, interesting because obviously he plays on the one side. Uh, I saw a few times in the game where he was chasing balls in the opposite corner. Uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, like two yeah. of those plays where uh, – he was on a full out sprint for the whole width of the field uh, to keep the ball in play. And it was within five feet of the corner flag on the, on, on Mane's wing. Um, 
yeah, even, even my, my girlfriend pointed it out at the bar that was like, he doesn't usually play over there. Uh, <laughs> the fluidity uh, of all three of them, uh, was really great. Firmino was going back deep a few times to win the ball back. Uh, and also there was a play in the first half where Mane tracked back his player, uh, almost to the 18 yard box and intercepted the pass, kept possession, turned, and then recycled it back to uh, the fullback. It was uh, to see a player that's in that much of a purple patch offensively to put the effort in to track back when you're already up by a few goals. Um, It's the same thing that is what makes Firmino so valuable to the team is that when you have your most talented offensive players that are putting in that extra work defensively, it makes everybody else do that as well. Absolutely. And Klopp demands that too. And that's where he's getting these players that are buying into his system and the determination is there throughout the squad. And and that's definitely a characteristic of, of that front three, Jeff, especially Salah. I mean, he, his determination, it seems like to get to every ball to track back, just like the other two are doing you know, especially Bobby, we talked about doing that for, for ages, but it, it is infectious. And, and I think that, you know, the, the front three just feed off each other and, everyone seems to be just having a great season and, you know, especially, especially the Egyptian King up there up top. Yeah. I mean, I, James's point about girlfriend seeing all of them, what are they doing on that side of the pitch? I mean, that was my exact, like I was sitting there with my mouth open 68th minute. You've got Bobby slot and Mane all tracking back to their half, their penalty area for a ball on a cold evening in Watford, cold night in Stoke, cold evening in Watford, with snow, or not in Watford, <laughs> at Anfield, with snow on the ground. Who does that? Like, what what front attack have you seen in Champions League where you see forwards tracking back all the way back to their penalty area? I mean, it's just, it's insane. Uh, the amount of running, the determination, and, you know, you talk about Salah. So, you got a guy with a hat trick already, and you've got Danny Ings still in search of his first goal, and there's Salah trying to feed him the ball. And even after Ings like, shot it right at the keeper, he was there for the second ball. That kind of tenacity is to be admired. And, Joey, you have the right point. It's, it comes from Klopp. It's his system. It's how he prefers to play. And you see it – used to see it only with Bobby. Uh, you wondered about some of the other players with Rigi – not really fit in that mold, but you bring Mane and Salah. Now, now you got three players doing it in the front attack, and they're all helping each other. And there's no, there's no individuals in that front attack. It's a collection of three that all help each other. And you got a midfield when the system's working right that feed them perfectly. Like I, I think there's so much credit that goes to Klopp for the the Phil Jackson to use a. U.S. metaphor, the, the team concept that Phil Jackson was so good at in the NBA, you see that with Liverpool. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing to see Robertson, you know, getting beautiful crosses across. I mean, that second cross to Salah for the sitter. Absolute I mean, beauty. Yeah. <laughs> and he loves doing it. You see him, like, pumping his fist after he, you know, got that cross crossover. It, just so much beautiful football happening, like from Van Dyke and his long balls in that are 
seemed to be always accurate, even Henderson getting into the mix. So there's so much beautiful football in this match. You, you just didn't want to stop. Yeah, it's incredible. It, it's like a well-oiled machine at this point, and we are playing exactly how Klopp wants. And yes, you can get a bad result uh, and a poor result against Man U. And, and listen, Old Trafford is a tough place to go. You can have an off day. Um, but to be able to come right back and, and get that confidence right back up, um, especially going into a huge part of the season and being able to do this, I mean, we, glad, glad it was Wofford that was in front of us. Let's just say that um, they're pretty comfortably in mid-table, so it's not like they necessarily – yes, you're always fighting for points, but they're not desperate. So, um, you know, a lot of these games towards the end of the season with the table, the way it's shaping up at the bottom right now, um, you don't want to be playing some of these teams just because the, the extra, you know, 10% they'll be given extra 15% they'll be given to try and get, you know, uh, the extra couple of points or, or not to drop a few. So, um, couldn't have been a more perfect matchup and, and the Reds, they did what they do. Um, they, they just, they're an amazing side right now. Amazing to watch most law fastest to 30 goals for Liverpool in just 2,838 minutes. Uh, Sturridge would be second. Torres would be third. Believe what Robbie Fowler's after that. And then we got Rushy and then Suarez. So, um, I mean, just what a season that he's having right now. Um, it's incredible. And, um, you know, you, you don't think it's a flash in the pan. I mean, people were talking about Kane. And how they thought it was just going to be a one-season wonder. Uh, and he's gone on and we're, what, three, four years later? And, and he's still doing what he's doing. Now, you obviously don't know that because this is only the first year that Slaw's been with Liverpool, first season. But it, it doesn't look like any of this is slowing down. These aren't tap-ins. This is a player who is about to hit the prime of his career and just continue on from there. I mean, a lot of people forget, I think, what is he, still 25 years old, I believe? Um, so, you know, he's still got his best years ahead of him and, and hopefully Liverpool are, are where he's at for those prime years. Um, I mean, it's just, he's, he's a joy to watch and we're very lucky to have him. It was kind of the same thing when we had Suarez, just being able to watch somebody with this talent, you know, play for, for the side that you support. It's, it's just, it's an absolute joy and to have to, to the point we've been talking about for the last, you know, little bit here on the spot is. All three of those front front guys are, are just the, the work ethic they have, and and you know that that goes back in the midfield and defense too. Just the system and everyone's belief in in the system and that it's going to prevail and, and, and succeed is just it's unbelievable. It's 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 really really fun to watch. So, on that positive note, let's go ahead and get into some Cena next stuff. Jeffrey, I need a positive and a negative from you, my man. What do you got? Positive and negative. I mean, there's so much positive in this. I might as well start off with positive. Uh, My positive was so clearly Sadio Mane. Uh, His unselfish work uh, off the ball, with the ball, uh, those, you know, death-defying passes, key passes in the final third where he's horizontal and somehow that ball gets to Salah, gets to Bobby. So, I mean, I was out of my chair just like – you know, cheering, you know, doing a little dance. Uh, it was worth all of that. So, amen. Sadio, you, you really <laughs> you really brought it for this one, and I think you will for the rest of the season. And my negative, my only negative, unfortunately, is my man Hando. <laughs> uh, just the, 
the performance is not going to suit for City. It's not going to suit for any important game through the end of the year. And we're fighting for top four and we're fighting for Champions League. I mean, God help us, we get to Kiev. <laughs> and these are the dreams that we have as Liverpool fans. But you can't really have him on the pitch in any of those moments, I don't think. Uh, he's there to play the dross. He's great playing Watford. Uh, as soon as you get that speed kicked up and get better quality around him, uh, that's when he starts to suffer. So that, that was my negative, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and to your positive, I mean, great shout for, for Mane. He's, I mean, goddamn, I, I just love him. Love the man. <laughs> to get the ball to uh, to Slaughter's first, and then that little flick uh, that he had to, it was Milner before Milner played that nice outside of the boot ball to, to Salah. Um, which led to that Firmino chance earlier, actually. It was just a beautiful teamwork. Um, yeah, Salah really, uh, you know, he's he's just been excellent. Again, we were waxing lyrical about him last season, but he's got 14 goals and nine assists this season. I mean, the guy's having an amazing year. And, and again, he's just uh, the core group that we have right now. Are, they're young. They're young. They're in their, you know, early to mid-20s, and they're all kind of hitting their stride here soon. So, well, dude, like, all good y- stuff. Y- you remember that fourth goal, Uh I saw Mane just burning down the right flank and uh, proto along with it. it. It just reminded me of sixteen seventeen Mane. Yeah. Where he would take on take on defenders, smoke past them, and he crosses to Salah, who, you know, goes into his mess his messy pose and you know, how the hell did he score that goal kinda shot. But I mean that that's the kind of attacking that Liverpool need in order to have a shot at City, have a shot in Champions League or you know, just secure top four even. Yeah, it's just good to see those attributes of our front front attack show. Yeah, and he he still finds himself in really good positions. Like for the Firmino uh chance, uh or sorry, the Firmino goal, um the the back heel. I mean, he found himself in a really good position. He was open if if Salah decided to um to go ahead and pass him the ball as well. And, you know, even for that Salah goal, um, just like you said, Mane going around the side, feeding him. I mean, he, he was definitely a huge part in, in the victory today. So, and James, what do you got, man? You got a positive or negative? Yeah, uh, definitely a few positives after that one. Um, I, I really think it's the Danny Ings. I thought he came right in and uh, even though it was towards the end of the game and it was done and dusted, uh, he was right on the same wavelength as the rest of the forwards in the midfield coming through. His runs and movement were direct and decisive. And his touch on the ball, uh, I don't remember too many uh, miscontrols, and most of them were one touch right into the path where he needed it to be. And um, obviously we would all have liked to have seen him score a goal, uh, especially in that play where you had described earlier with uh, the one touch and play in from Salah, where Salah wound up scoring at the end. Um, but for Ings to come at the end to not have scored a goal in a while to really, you can tell he wants to score to make that move in the 18 and to cut back uh, is a great, it's a goal scorers move. Uh, obviously he didn't finish it, but I think everything that he did in the game today uh, is leading me to believe that if he can get a, a run of games where he can either come off the bench for a few games or maybe get a start, uh, get a goal here and there, uh, we'll see the next level of Danny Ings that you know we brought in from Burnley and uh, you know the player that he's going to grow into. Uh, the negative seed index, uh, 
initially was going to be uh, Emery's injury, but uh, fingers crossed that's not going to be as serious as we anticipate. Um, I would have to go with, um, unfortunately, uh, Hendo's performance and then potentially hey, love it. Emery, Emery to come in. Um, <laughs> it, it really it, it does put us in a tough spot uh, if Emery's not 100% to play that sixth position uh, for the big games coming up. And with you know Hendo's performance here, um, it, it would have been really nice to have one of the two just put in, you know, like an eight or a nine this game, uh, just so we could you know build from it going into the stretch. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, something we've been talking about over the past couple of pods is you don't have that one midfielder, maybe with the exception of Emre. But I think you know I, I, the fan base in general, some of them are split on Emre and and Hendo. You, you don't really have that one midfielder, right? right now or even the season, you know, like, you know, after we sold Phil where it's just that player's playing every game, you know, there's a bunch of different combinations that you can have. And that's something that we're desperately missing that I can't wait for Keita to come in because he's going to be, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet and probably the first midfielder on the team sheet as well. So, um, you're right. I think we, we would miss Emre. Um, and you took the positive right, out, right out of my mouth, man. That I completely agree with you on Danny Ings. I want him to score so bad. So happy he's in the side. Big Danny Yang's fan. Um, great shout for that because, I mean, hopefully he starts against Everton. I, I really do. I, I hope he would start because I could definitely see him scoring, just getting a brace. Um, and, and, a brace? You know, that is aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I, no I, Danny Yang's is, is due a couple goals here. Um, Agreed. I, mean, I want to see it. I, I think every Liverpool fan wants to see it. I, it's, it ain't happening yet. But to your point, I, who, I don't who knows, know, dude. Who knows maybe it will. That. I I mean that that fixture is sandwiched in between the city games, so yeah. I definitely would not mind seeing Danny Ings start a game if that means Firmino sitting and playing both city games. I would I would not hate that whatsoever at all, and and I can hopefully see him kicking on because it, it looks like James just like you said he's primed and he's ready to get that. He's been getting himself into good positions and um he's been striking the ball pretty well too. So really happy to have him back in the side. Um, kind of. Shows us how little we've been talking about Big Dom Solanke and how you know kind of excited we were to have him on the side, you know when, when we first got him. So a little unfortunate um, in, in that case, but if that means the resurgence of Danny Ings, so be it. Here, here. So I will change my positive and I'll go ahead and get back to uh, the fullback depth that we have. Um, Trent out, Gomez in, all good. Klein coming back. Don't think he'll play this season, but it's always good news to have Klein back. Maybe it means Joe can move centrally a little bit more, but um, this is probably the best right-back depth that we've had since I can remember um, right now when everyone is fit and healthy, um, which seems like it's going to be soon. Uh, and then again with the left-backs, I mean, we it's, it's great to have right now, especially in Klopp's system where they need to be getting high up the pitch and I'm contributing a lot. So really happy with that. Um, my negative – I mean, listen uh, – Kane being out helps Liverpool, obviously, you know, for, for, for obvious reasons, and it, and it definitely hurts Spurs. And so, you know, you never wish to see anyone getting injured. That is a positive for Liverpool. But I am kind of bummed in the sense that I, I wish he was still playing just if it meant for Liverpool as a team and then Salah as an individual player to be able to say that we finished above them in the table when they were at their best. You know, you always want to beat other teams when they're at their best to to show um, that you're worthy, I suppose. Um, so 
even, you know, let's just say hypothetically Kane doesn't get injured. I mean, Slaw just put four in the back of the net. You'd be four ahead of Kane um, because they had their cup game this past weekend. So kind of a bummer, kind of a bummer that they don't get to see the, the two leading golden boot scorers go head to head till the end of the year. Um, and then, you know, Liverpool and, and, and uh, Spurs kind of go head to head for a top four spot. Um, obviously in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, this is, this is great. Cause it helps their chances. But at the same time, you know, I suppose as a, a competitor, you know, when I was playing sports, you just want to go up against the best um, when they're at their best. So that's kind of a bummer. I guess I'll go. I was going to do that or obviously drawing city in the champions league, which we'll get to right now. Um, guys, we got to mention that the champions league draw briefly Liverpool versus city. Uh, <clears throat> don't think this was the best draw possible. Uh, I, it almost feels like most Liverpool fans, the only other team they wouldn't want to face before them would be Barcelona. I think for local fans or anyone who's going to be able to travel to the game, um, you know, just for a purely um, environmental and logistics standpoint, it would have been nice for fans to be able to travel to a city like Barcelona or to a city like Madrid or Sevilla or any, any of those places. I mean, Bayern um, in Munich. Um, so, Kind of a bummer for them, but I think also sort of a bummer just because we get to play them twice a year. So you, you'd rather go up against teams that that you haven't played. And then also the fact that, you know, you, you as good of a season as City has had, and, and don't get me wrong, they are the best team in England and arguably the best team in Europe. Um, you want to go up against kind of Europeans' elites. And, and that's where I think that this could actually, if anything, plays into Liverpool's favor besides maybe the first leg that's at Anfield, James, is the fact that this club has not done anything in Europe of note, really, um, at all. So do you think that potentially that kind of intangible um, European success might help Liverpool in some sort of way in this tie? I do. Uh, I was reading today that there's um, a movement within the Liverpool supporters to uh, recreate the same atmosphere that they did uh, against Villarreal two years ago in the Europa uh, tie uh, for a greeting for the city bus that's coming in. Uh, I would love to see that, even though it may technically be against some rules of uh, using flares and other types of pyrotechnics. Uh, I, I thought that was just such a great atmosphere and really set the precedent. And it doesn't matter uh, what player pedigree uh, you have. If you're on the coach coming in through that, it's it's going to get in your head. So uh, I'm really excited to see the atmosphere that we put forth. Uh, I think it'll be even more so than what we did for the home game in the league against City. Um, regarding their history in Europe though. I think Guardiola is going to drill them. Uh, they are familiar with us. They're familiar with the stadium. Uh, I think the big difference between city and Liverpool for, for this game is going to be, uh, for who scores the first goal. Um, I think Guardiola is smart enough to know that if they can get the first goal away, um, they can, adjust their play a little bit and it would be very difficult for us, especially if we have to open up more and then they can take us on the counter. Um, I, I really have no idea of how or what direction this is going to go in. Cause it could go 50 different ways, but I'm very, very excited for it. Yeah. And I mean, 
for whatever reason, Pep doesn't have the best away record in in the Champions League. Um, so again, I think, like you said, the first goal is going to be crucial, um, absolutely crucial. We know that we can put, uh, you know, four past them. We know it can be done. And and Jeff, uh, a main difference this time around might be the fact that we didn't have Van Dyke last time. You know, the, maybe the back four that that played against Watford is is the one that plays against City, and that wasn't the same one that played before. Well, I, I'm not as worried about this tie as, say, the media and most of our fans are. I mean, of course, we prefer Barcelona, Juventus. Uh, with City, I mean, you talk about Pep's away record in Champions League. How about Pep's away record in Anfield or Manchester City's away record in Anfield? 15 in a row. So they haven't – I think there's a psychological advantage going into this that – is understated as we start to talk about the tie. Liverpool have won so much at home, and it's the first tie that really sets the tone for the two legs. So if we can get to, just as you're saying, get the early goal, you know, overwhelm Pep with the atmosphere at Anfield, it's going to be intense. I would love to have attended this one live because you you know the flares are going to come out, and the flares are good. It's a sign that a really important contest in European nights happening at Anfield, and we'll see that for sure in this. But, I, you know, I think this is the test that we need before we move on to a Barcelona or Juventus, wh- whoever we end up seeing next in Champions League. And I think we've got the history against City, the psychological advantage. You mentioned it, Joey, the improved backline performance led by Van Dyke and the improved run of form of Karius. I think we've got all the fundamentals in, in place to take these guys, take it to them, and leverage that momentum to the semis. Yeah, and just like you were saying, I think, oddly enough, having the first game at Anfield is going to help us in this tie. And I don't think there's any other side necessarily that that would be the case with. Um, but I think for us it is, especially given Pep's away record, slash just you know if, if we get out on them quick um and just and make it a tough game for them at home um in the, in the second leg where maybe the crowd starts to get anxious and you can feel some tension in the air um that that would be the key obviously and and, and um the, the ideal scenario so uh, i do think weirdly enough because you never wish to have the first leg but for some reason it feels better that we do have it um you know look, look there's no like question about the quality of city top to bottom. They've got so many weapons. De Bruyne is on form. You've got Sané. I think all of us have nightmares of that near post goal that we all blame Carius for up and down. So they have just so much quality and you know, you've even got Sterling with pace running up and down that wing. But so they can damage, they can cause harm for sure. Uh, but I think if we can get, it's all on our night. If we get the early goal, get the attack moving and are tidying the midfield and the back line, I think we've got a really good chance. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of their goals came late in the game and uh, they kind of wore us down sort of at the end of the game. And, um, you know, I think our team's going to look a bit different um, with, with the back line, like you were saying this time around. And, you know, listen, they've never met in Europe before. So really excited to see how this plays out. Uh, a couple other ties of notes. The Barcelona versus Roma. I think that uh, Barcelona probably got the best draw um, out of that one. 
In the last four, they're one, two, and one, though. Um, so they each have a win and, and two draws. You never know how that could play out. Jekko might have a, a, an amazing game. Um, but Roma are a quality side. I, I do think probably, you know, the the least talented, maybe maybe Sevilla would be in that category of, of the remaining teams. But, um, yeah, quality side. And then Sevilla versus Bayern. Um, they've never met before in Europe, so that's that's always exciting. And then the the Juventus um, Real Madrid, the the repeat of the final last year when Madrid took it four one. So, um, you know, the last eight in Europe, uh, all quality teams, and um, you know, just I, I guess it was sort of an unlucky draw against City. Um, but you never know, you never know, gents, um, with with the form that we're on, um, and and the fact that we we did beat them last time out, it could work in our favor. So. Upwards and onwards from there. Um, gentlemen, where can we find y'all in the things that you do? Jeffrey. Jeff underscore Hallett with two L's and two T's on the Twitter. And James. Uh, no Twitter from my end, so uh, I guess we'll just have to do a the podcast communication for now. <laughs> James will be strictly pod, podcast communication right now. If you need him, you can listen to the podcast. So we will have him back on again. Obviously, James, it's great to have you on, brother. Um, gentlemen, I appreciate you getting on. And uh, real quick, let's get just – let's get a couple of uh, – and I know we'll be doing um, a prediction for Palace, but uh, quickly, international break. Is, is there anyone that, that you're looking forward to seeing um, or is it just get me through this fucking international break with everyone coming back healthy? Um, not much to see here. I mean, I'll, I'll start. So England bores me. I don't want to necessarily see Adam Lana play. Uh, hope any. It's the usual posture for Liverpool, especially with so much at stake. Is like, please don't injure anybody important. And really, on England England squad, that's Gomez, uh, Ox. Anybody else of note to really worry about? Uh, yeah, Salah, is he playing in Egypt? Is Egypt on? It must be all on international duty, so of course you worry about him, but he has just been knock on wood. I'm going to do it right now. He's been indestructible, so let's let's hope that that continues. And Bobby, I don't know if he's going to get first-team time with Jesus in front of him, but I would love for – I mean, that that is – of all the performances – in international break, I would love to see his if he gets time. I'm sure, he'll get minutes in Chiche's side, so that'll be good to see. Of course, with the midfielder that should not be named, <laughs> and it, it, it'll be good to see Van Dyke getting some national team time, even though they're not playing World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Egypt might be playing Portugal this weekend, so Ronaldo and Salah, if they if they both play, um, I, I believe that's what it is. Um, but yeah, again, just. James, I'm sure you're, you're thinking the same thing is just get everyone back and, and healthy um, and, and, and just continue on with the run of form that we're in because we got a lot of important fixtures come before the season ends. Yeah, first and foremost, everyone's got to come back healthy. Uh, a few things to add on to that. I just recently read that it seems like uh, Virgil's going to be getting the captain's armband for the oh, yes. games. Well-deserved. Uh and I really would love to see Migs get some playing time for Belgium and uh, Lovren with Croatia. Or there was something with Lovren in Croatia where he's not going to be playing. I think um, he's had such a Lovren's had such a weird pass with the Croatian national side. Um, 
but he, I think it's something like he, he had an ankle problem, I believe. Um, so he's withdrawn from the Croatian side, but he's never really bet himself in, um, to that team. I know, um, or hours. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And for good reason, I would think. So just keep him out of it and we'll continue on from there. Um, more so just so that they could raise his value and be easier to offload him. Yeah, well. good shout, right? <laughs> Get him some minutes, hopefully value up somehow. Or slash give him a knock so he's not even an option for club. Either yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he might be right now. Hopefully that's not the reason why Motip came in. Um because Klopp is, we don't need to get into that, but he's been scaring me playing, playing lower and a little bit more than I'd like. Um, gentlemen, appreciate you getting on. If anyone wants to find us on Twitter, you can go on to at TalkOnFP. And as always, appreciate you getting on. Gentlemen, talk on. Talk on. Thanks, guys. Talk on. Have a good one.